Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the July 24, 2022 session focusing on Psalm 85, Manifesting Peace. I'm David Cassidy. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm Daniel Glaze. And I'm Burt Montgomery. Well, it's good to see everybody again. It's good to see y'all. I'm glad you're back. Well, it's good to be back, but I'm so glad uh, you guys carried on and under Crystal's expert leadership. And so... Are you going to let her do it again? Absolutely. No, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And and you didn't banish any of us, so this is good. No, I might have brought the editing knife to bear on a couple of places, but that's not unusual. So, (laughs) and our listeners could just wonder. So, yeah, no, it's all good, and uh, but it's good to see everybody. I, I actually, I, I got to see Bert and Nikki in person uh, we while did. we were all in Dallas, so it was we, great. It was and good. Da- Daniel, we missed seeing you there. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get to go this year. Well, that's all right. We'll, uh, we'll all try again next year. I, I know that when I was growing up, I was a part of different, you know, clubs and organizations and groups and Um, Some of them meant more to me than others. I'm curious if there was a particular group or club that that was important in some part of your past. Band. Ah, yes. Hello. (laughs) Look, I lived for band. When I graduated from high school, I the uh, both of my parents have master's degrees from Tulane, by the way. So highly educated. The only reason I went to college was so I could stay in band. You know, wow. all the calling right. of ministry and, and religion major and all that stuff, that came later. I went, a band was life for How me do you not live for band? I don't That's, understand how you wouldn't live for I, I, band. I don't either. Are there people who don't? Apparently. <laughs> they need to see the light. Yes. So our listeners can't see this, but on, on our Zoom screen, we can see... Bert's trombone behind him. Yes, <laughs> and, and and if if you send me money, I'll play uh, the Mississippi State fight song. Oh, what if we send you money not to. <laughs> <laughs> Can you still play? Yeah. Oh, see, I I did not live for band always. Um, no, I'm not go. good. I'm not good, and I have no breath support, but I can still get some noise, yeah. And I can still play the Mississippi State fight song. Okay, so I loved band, but that's not going to be my group. I had a group actually in seminary. It was a group of girls. We all came in at the same time, um, and almost all of us graduated together. One of us decided to have babies, and that just made seminary take longer. And so, but we all kind of got through seminary together, and we called ourselves the Mac Mamas because we went to McAfee. <laughs> okay. But they were, they were really, we talked through all the things that you go through at seminary together. We hashed theology out together. Um, and we are still friends to this day and now walk each other through life with children and um, being married and the difficulties that come with getting older. So we still mean a lot to one another. That's awesome. That's yeah, it's incredible. It's a good group. You, yeah, it shows yeah. it means something if you're still staying yeah. connected. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. They're a really good group. They're important and special and um, often keep me grounded. <laughs> often. <laughs> yeah, um, th- that's an important task, um, and they are good friends. <laughs> so I, I don't know how to answer this because I, I, I somewhat 
<laughs> was it Groucho Marx who said he, he didn't want to be a member of any club that would have him as a member? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, and not to be sappy here, but uh, I, I have to say, uh, being a member of this group is uh, is life affirming and just one of the loves of my life. So, yeah, I'm I'm grateful if he's listening for Jim Dance Kidney Stone uh, <laughs> seven years ago. Uh, that so I pinch hit for him, and here we are. Aww. Wow. Oh, well, oh, I love you too, Daniel. <laughs> love you, Nikki. It is a close-knit group, even though we really don't see each other, but maybe once every week, well, during COVID, it's been longer, but once a year at most. Yeah. I, I, there are several groups or clubs that I was part of, but there's one that, it wasn't a formal club, but we functioned as one. I mean, we didn't have bylaws or anything, but we did all the fun stuff together that a club does. And this was this was when I was in, uh, I guess, well, we would have called it junior high, but middle school age nowadays. Um, and I was part of a group that built and flew model rockets. Ooh. So, um, you know, for sure. <laughs> of course I was. I mean, <laughs> why would I've expected anything else? I love this. I love this. Yeah. So I would save up my, I would, you know, mow grass or work, you know, work, work in people's yards to make extra money in the summers. And, and I would save up my money and I had these little catalogs where I could pick out my next rocket or a set of rockets and we would get together and we would build our rockets together and paint them. And then it was the big day when you go out and you you launch them. And of course, you know, they have parachutes or streamers and you recover them and you fly them again. So, you know, <laughs> if you built it right, if you didn't, now it might not survive the flight. But anyway, <laughs> um, but to this day, I remember those friends and I remember the fun we had. Um, encourage, you know, cause we would encourage each other and help each other with our, with our rockets. And sometimes they were multi-staged or I had this one that was called the x-ray that had a clear compartment so we could put crickets and things in there and shoot them up. <laughs> they, they, oh. they survived. Oh. <laughs> mm. I, now I need a middle school picture of David Cassidy. Yes. I think, I think that was, was that called the pocket protectors club? Yes. 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 So we've been talking about stranger things. So that group of nerds and the stranger things, I, I relate to that. So yeah, that's great. That's so good. Anyway, anyway, we do have these, these, these parts of our lives, not just past, but hopefully now where, where there are groups that we belong to that really do make a difference in who we are and how we live. And so, you know, perhaps this, this psalm today is going to lead us into a little conversation around those those group dynamics. Bert, could, could you help us get going with this one? Yes, but I don't know how well my introduction is going to lead us into those conversations. Right, we'll, we'll get there anyway. It's fine. <laughs> it is way out. Okay, so Psalm 85 is a great psalm for any and all of us who have ever experienced life fall out from under us. Things collapse in our lives. Perhaps the crumbling, the crumbling continues for months or years. It's almost as if we're being cursed by God. And for those of us who have ever prayed and dared, dared to hope that things might even improve, to get better, for those of us who have ever dared to trust God, as the old hymn says, to revive us again, Psalm 85 is for us. 
Now, even better is when we remember it is a communal psalm. Oh, it's a powerful meditative resource for any of us as individuals, yes, but its origin was for the people together, a communal prayer. It's about us as a people who have felt abandoned and punished by God, seeking God together for God to restore us socially, economically, politically, health, as a group, and bless us together as a community. Now, I know we will talk about these things and other things in our conversation today. We will talk about group belonging, as we just mentioned, right? But I want us to step back. I want us to step back a little bit and and get us started with a bigger, broader, more macro-level theological approach to this text, one that I think we should be discussing as groups in our churches, but probably don't discuss nearly enough. Is God love or is God wrath and judgment? And if God is both, which one do we allow to have power and favor over the other? The wrath overcomes God's, overrules God's love, or does love overrule God's wrath? Sometimes we've been told our suffering comes from God. We lose jobs, our spouses desert us, our children get addicted to drugs and alcohol, we get evicted from our homes, we get terrible illnesses. Whatever is going wrong, it's because we've done something bad. We've sinned. Remember the old expression, God's going to get you for that? Well, whenever something goes wrong in our lives, it's proof to everybody else that God is zapping us, right? Throughout much of the Hebrew scriptures and still in Christian churches today, it's always our fault. Bad things happen to us because we're the ones who've screwed it up. We're the ones who are not working hard enough. We're the ones who are not praying hard enough. We're, not, we're the ones who are not believing right enough. We're the ones who have sinned. And good things only happen when we manage to repent enough to get on God's good side again. I received an email from a stranger not too long ago saying that our churches, my particular church in which I pastor, our church's preaching of hyper grace, that was his term, by the way, which I thought was pretty cool. Hyper grace, I kind of like that. Our church's preaching of hyper grace is leading people to hell. Because while God's grace is true, God's wrath cannot be overlooked, nor will it be thwarted. I didn't reply, well, because over time I've learned it's not worth my time and energy to get sucked into replying to such emails. But but I did wonder to this person, I did want to say, but God's wrath cannot be thwarted? Really? I mean, regardless of our theology, if you call yourself a Christian, isn't that what at the core we teach that Jesus did? Anyway, some of us have this vision of God as sort of a, a nurse Annie Wilkes from Stephen King's Misery, who plays a sick, torturous, psychological game with us to break our independence, to break our spirits, to overcome our stubborn wills, to force us at any cost to do exactly what God is dictating us to do. And if we show any signs of rebellion, well, then then comes the hobbling scene. Ouch! 
have y'all seen the movie? Have you read the oh, book's 10 times worse than the movie? Trust me. Anyway, in the movie, the great James Kahn plays the protagonist, the writer Paul Sheldon, who is being held captive in Nurse Annie Wilkes' house, locked in a room, tormented into writing a book the way she wants him to write the story. And let's face it, so many of us still have a vision of God as a sick, twisted, mood-swinging Annie Wilkes, so frighteningly, so frighteningly, frighteningly and terrifically portrayed by Kathleen Bates. Anyway, by the way, James Kahn died the day before recording this podcast, which made me think of misery, which is a good example of how we think of God. And if we read parts of the Bible, only parts of it, right, including a few verses from Psalm 85, we certainly are presented that this understanding that maybe God is a manipulative, rigid, violent, psychologically damaging individual. Um, God gets angry. God's wrath is uncontrollable. And terrible things happen when God gets mad. But like the author Paul Sheldon, played by James Kahn in Misery, we're told we deserve it. We always deserve it. If only we had listened. If only we had submitted. If only we didn't talk back, or if only we didn't glance a look at a certain way, or, or whatever all the abusive situations come in with an abuser, if only we are the ones who did not cause that trigger to go off, to trigger that violent outburst from an abusive lover, a parent, a boss, God. It's always our fault. But still, there's a different vision of God throughout scriptures, including Psalm 85, a different vision of God, a different experience of God through the people at work throughout our Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament, that if we do say that there is a, wrath, a wrathful God and a loving God, that the wrathful God can be thwarted, that God's anger does not last, that God's grace actually does outlast and overcome any and all judgment. But then if we can go beyond that, we begin to see images throughout our scriptures that God is not, is not a controlling, manipulative psychopath playing with us like a mad scientist plays with rats in a maze. Psalm 85 often classified, is classified as a complaint psalm, meaning that the community of faith are complaining to God because things have fallen apart, not just in an individual life in a short period of a few years, but over many people's lives as a community over generations. Remember, there once was a kingdom, and then there was no kingdom, and all God's people were seized and scattered and exiled um, in foreign lands. And that's because God caused it all to happen because they sinned. Once God, the Psalm, 80, Psalm 85 says, once God, you were good to your people. Once God, you forgave your people's sins. Once long ago, God, you did withdraw your wrath and you did turn away from your hot anger. Will you do it again, please? Will you restore us, Lord? Revive us, Lord. Surely, Lord, your salvation is at hand. So yes, the theology and the understanding of a very angry God is present in this psalm. The theology of God causing death and destruction and devastation is there. But in the pleas, the begging for mercy and forgiveness and restoration, 
the vision of hope, of righteousness, kissing uh, on the corner there, that we see glimpses of a different theology, one that continues to emerge through the people, and one that is found also in the Newer Testament, especially in the person of Jesus, that God is not wrath and anger, but God is love. And love is what best fits how God relates to us. Will God's wrath endure forever? No, Psalm 85 says. Other times we're reminded in the Psalms it's not wrath, but God's love that endures forever and ever. There's a context here, and there's there's a hope here, and there's a group element here that we need to be talking about in the Psalm, and we will talk about. But I, I want us to also step back and remember that this psalm can lead us on to longer, more ongoing conversations about what is the true nature of God as revealed in Scripture? What is the true nature of God as revealed in our lives? And how do we see conflicting understandings of God found in our Scripture? And maybe in these conversations within our groups, we may find God reviving us again. Thank you, Bert, for that wonderful introduction. And I'm sorry for those who might criticize you, your method of pastoring, your congregation for practicing hyper grace. I think that's what you said. I'd, if I were you, I'd put that on my business card. Right. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing, you know, it's like, yes. ooh, you really got me with that one. <laughs> but <laughs> there's a lot of things that are really interesting in this, in this passage. And I'm, I'm resisting the urge to sing Revive Us Again, but I don't want to major on the minors here, but verse 5 is about the most pitiful and heartbreaking question. Will you be angry with us forever? The the parent-child metaphor for God and us is helpful in some ways, but if my child asked me that question, it would break my heart. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot to talk about here, but I can't, for some reason, reading through this, I I can't get over that. And the pain that the people must feel and to be, to be longing for God to be less angry or not angry with them again is, mm, I appreciate the honesty of the feelings there, but wow, that's heartbreaking. The feeling that, that I relate to out of this that I don't think I would have related to, you know, earlier in my life. Um, I'm an old guy now. And and so for most of my life, I don't remember living in this society being a stressful thing. Hmm. And yet over the last several years, it's been very stressful and, and it continues to feel stressful. And for the first time in my life, it's like, is it going to be this way forever? It, it, you know, are we always going to be butting heads with each other as as neighbors and citizens? Are we always going to be, you know, taking opposite positions and condemning one another? I mean, because that's what it feels like. And so I, I relate to that sentiment in the in the psalm where, you know, you're going to be angry with us forever because it's sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it feels like that, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just me, but that that. Because I, I would I would not have been able to relate to that except for the craziness of these years. I wonder that now, and I wonder that for my kids. I'm like, is this what the world's going to be like now? Mm. I think it's so interesting that this psalm has taken us all in so many different directions. Um, I think that's 
oh, that's the beauty of scripture. Um, you can read the same passage 10 times and see something different. Bert, I'm so grateful that you challenged the notion of, of God being a wrathful God versus God being a grace-filled God. Um, and how do those exist together? And, uh, and, and what do we do with that? Because we do have to contend. I, I do hope one day somebody accuses me of preaching hyper grace. That would um, be something to aspire to for sure. Amen. Right. Like it really is because I think that's what the gospel story is. And there are moments in scripture when we go, wait, hold up. This does not feel like our hyper grace filled God. So as I'm considering this passage, I, I go to thinking about why was it written and where was it written and to whom was it written and what was it written for? Um, and what, what we know is that this was probably written about the time that the Israelites were coming back from exile. So they were returning home. And so I think that what I'm hearing in this is that they, they went into exile believing this is their punishment for the way that they behaved and they return home. Those who choose to, not everybody did, but a great number of people did return back to Israel and they still feel as if they're disconnected from God. Um, but then we also have to remember they're returning to a homeland where their temple has been destroyed and not rebuilt, which is where they connected with God and the means through which they connected with God before they went into exile. And so things were not exactly as they were before they left. And a lot of people who lived in Israel before they went into exile would be gone now. They were in exile for 50 years. And so a number of that generation would have passed on. And you could have been born in exile and have been 50 when you go home to Israel, never having seen it before. That's a, that's a really good point, Nikki. And from that lens, 50 years probably feels like forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have said forever after about four, but no, right. you know, I mean, that's a, if you, anyone needs testimony to my patients, there it is. So. And, and, and I think Nikki, you mentioned this, um, the, the different directions we all went in reading this is, is a good thing for, for our listeners to do with their, with their people that we all yeah. bring our baggage. We all bring our experiences of the past week. We all bring our personal relationships for good or for ill or dealing with people and what they're experiencing. We bring these things with us when we read scripture individually and as community. Mm -hmm. And so we all see different things in these things. And, and that's, like you said, that's the rich, the richness of this. The goal is not to get trapped into one as the only way to experience or read this, uh, and, and to allow this, the various ways that the Spirit is moving in our lives to make sense of the holy, and to always be allowed, allowing ourselves to be led to a bigger <laughs> vision of God as well. I love, I love the hopefulness of this last, uh, the last few verses, and I'm going to read from a, a rabbi's translation for praying. Kindness and truth have met. Righteousness and peace have kissed one another. Truth will grow forth from the ground. That even in the despair and hopelessness, and is anything ever going to change? Woe is me kind of stuff that we gather bringing at the beginning of the psalm is that God will, God will, God will. 
revive. God will invigorate us again. That's from this rabbi's translation. Uh, And these things are going to come. And that sense of hope to live into, not that it's happened, but it's, it's there, that's near, it's at hand. And to live into that hope, which to go back to my opening, always trumps judgment, right? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, we've been in the Psalms for several weeks, and we have one more, and then we'll, we'll move into other parts of the Scripture. But I think one of the things that has struck me about our time in the Psalms has been the, the expressiveness. These are all expressing something and typically multiple things <laughs> but it's it's an expression from the from the deepest part of the psalmist so for that i think it is a model for us to also practice being expressive with god we each have different things going on in our lives in our communities and our families and these are things we ought to be expressing, whether they are questions, our doubts, our anger, our fear, our hope, our joy, our excitement, our wonder. But also the psalm, the psalms, they don't just express, but they weave life stories within them. And so, as Nikki reminded us, there is a story behind this psalm. It's a long story of a people in exile returning home, finally. They probably didn't think it would ever happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and so that weaving together of story and deep emotion and and meaning in an expressive way that often we call them hymns or they're very poetic. Those are things for us to emulate and, and to model. And so just as we have come at this from well, four different perspectives in many ways today, I hope your group will do that as well. Just as Bert has said, practice being expressive, practice weaving your stories with the scriptures. And maybe the Psalms can be uh, an inspiration for that and a model for that because we see the way these, these texts are honored in their place in scripture. May we go and do likewise. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Subscribe to the Faith Element Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible Study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.